Good morning, church. We've got two readings today. Um, the first reading we're going to start off is with 1 Corinthians, starting at chapter 15, and that will come up on the screen in front of us if you'd like to follow. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits afterward, at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to, the fa- to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death, for God has put everything under his feet. Now when he says everything is put under him, it is obvious that he puts everything under him is the exception. When everything is subject to Christ, the Son himself will also be subject to the one who subjected everything to him, so that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will they do who are being baptised for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, then why are people baptised for them? Why are we in danger every hour? I face death every day as surely as I may boast about you, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus as a mere man, what good did that do me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses and stop sinning, for some people are ignorant about God. I say this to your shame. So the second reading for today is in Peter, and that's 1 Peter, starting at chapter 4, and that will come up on our screen as well. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same understanding Because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. In order to leave the remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do. Carry on in unrestrained behaviour, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living. And they slander you. They will give an account to the, to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel will also be preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live according to God's standards. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, Since love covers a multitude of sins, be hospitable to one another without complaining, just as one has received a gift. Use it to serve others as God's stewards of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. 
it's great to be here with you today. It is so good to see so many people in this room and lots of new faces as well. Uh, my name's Isaac. I'm one of the ministers here at this church. I would love to say hello after the service. Uh, now, today we are in this series called Why I Believe. And each of the preachers who have come along, they've been sharing on a particular topic that formed them, helped them to trust in Jesus. And today the topic is purpose. So for me, how does this idea of purpose relate to my trusting in Jesus? Now, purpose, we, we all seek it for our identity, and particularly when we're young. So I'm really glad that there's some kids in the room and lots of youth as well. When we're young, we're trying to figure out our identity in the world, and we're really pushing the bounds in some ways with some you know, different hobbies or different groups of friends or different ideas. We're trying to figure out what's my purpose, What's my personality? What's my identity in this world? You know, are you the skater boy? Or are you the movie buff? Are you all about sport or politics or art? Who are you? There's so many like obscure interests that can become your purpose in life. And that seem to be, become somebody's entire personality. I'm thinking of, you know... Disney, I'm thinking of lots of the garage crew here. That's sort of people's entire personality, it seems. <laughs> Disney franchise or uh, Harry Styles for that matter as well. So I actually want to put this to you guys. Have a think. And there's going to be a question that comes up here on the screen. Uh, what purposes do people live for? Have a think about the serious ones, the big ones, but the funny kind of interesting ones as well. I'll only give you 30 seconds, maybe a minute. And then there'll be a roving mic and we'll hear a bit from the room. So what purposes do people live for? Go for it. With those around you, yes. Go in, in the little groups. I didn't say that, but it's quite quiet. Okay, let's call it there. Short and sharp, eh? Quick game's a good game. Uh, any hands up? What purposes do people live for? Maybe not your purpose, someone else? Yeah, Lisa? Perfect children. Perfect children, nice. <laughs> I can see you've attained that, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, that was lovely to hear as a grandparent. Well, yeah. our previous speaker, Baptist uh, Pastor Spurgeon, in his uh, catechism said, the chief end of man is to glorify God oh. and enjoy him forever. And I suppose we've got to ask the question, you, you know, in the things we do in life, are they bringing glory to God or to ourselves or whatever? I'm done. I can leave the, the stage, I think. <laughs> glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's a wonderful encouragement. And we are heading that direction today. <laughs> I think most people live for a comfortable life. Yeah. 
<laughs> I can resonate to that. A comfortable life, you know, taking it easy, particularly over summer, enjoying the couch. Yep, there's a garage kid at the back, Sam. Sleep. Sleep. <laughs> Amen. Fair. Isaac, in my youth, I um, I lived for Star Trek. <laughs> That's so good. Then I, I met my that. husband. I had to make a choice, but <laughs> he comes a quick second. Kidding. That's so good. This makes so much sense of Willem. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I wrote some down that I thought of before, just some general ones as well. We might finish there for the roving mic. Thanks, Adele. Uh, fun, achievement, legacy, power, pleasure. I think some of these ideas came up even from the room. And I think the problem is when we take these good purposes to live for, they're perfectly fine things to live for, but we make them ultimate. Kind of like what Mike shared last week. We take a good thing and we make it a God thing. And it can become just our entire identity, our entire purpose in life. So it's not like these purposes are evil in and of themselves, but we need a bigger story, a bigger purpose that they're attached to. And if we simply live for that, we've become nearsighted in life. So today I want us to have a full picture for us to see that God wants us to see so that we can know what he's created us for. God wants us to know what he has created us for. And we need to understand the end, what's to come in our future, so we can understand our purpose in the now. Now, in this series, we've been thinking about this idea, why I believe. And each week, we've kind of been sharing some personal stories from up the front. So I'll be sharing a few stories about how I've been captured by the purpose that Jesus brings. But I want to springboard from those stories to have all of us reflect on this idea of purpose. And hopefully, after the service, you can share some of your stories as well. Uh, I'll share two stories today, and they both happen to be Times of reflection for myself on a hill. So that might be a way of remembering the illustrations for today. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, God did lots of things on the mountain, so maybe there's some link there, I don't know. Uh, strap in and get ready for those stories. Now, the first story, it's about how God, he showed me that I was living in a way that was just so foolish. I was kind of wasting my life. But that he had compassion on me and he had a purpose to give me. So this all happened, uh, it happened on this hill in the town that I grew up in, in Inverell. I was in high school, this is the hill itself, it's, it looks tiny in that picture, but it's tiring walking up it every day. Now I was nearing the end of high school and figuring out my identity, my purpose, I was really unsure. I had family and friends and people just living all kinds of different ways and I was still trying to figure it all out. Some were following Jesus and most around me weren't. And I'd just been to this party late at night with this close group of friends of mine. We called ourselves the crew. We were really tight, you know. We thought we were pretty cool. Oh, I can tell you some embarrassing stories about that later. And two of my, my mates at this party, they ended up fighting each other and that sort of regularly would happen. And I saw some other friends of mine just get so drunk they couldn't even piece their words together. And I realised I was just like them. I'd lived just like they had. Except that night I was basically sober. I decided to just see what it was like without any drinks in my system. And it was such a different story. And it was like my eyes were open to what that lifestyle was really about. And that night just didn't sit right with me. I realised 
I think for the first time, what that lifestyle was really like. And on the walk home, I stopped on at this hill just to kind of reflect. I was in a bit of a scramble, uh, getting my uh, rattled thoughts together. See, me and my friends, we were living for fun. We were living for our own happiness and pleasure, and we didn't really care about anyone else. We didn't really care if our pursuit for pleasure meant I did questionable things or did something I wouldn't normally do. And as I looked out over my hometown, there was a kind of obscure scripture from God's word that came into my mind, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. See, Jesus, he's speaking to some of his fiercest enemies, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And I just imagine Jesus, you know, on the outskirts of town, looking over the city and weeping for them. His enemies who were unwilling to follow him. And as I sat on the hill, I thought about how me and my friends, we were pretty much my entire town, really. We were all enemies just like they were. We were all enemies of God, yet Jesus' heart for me was just the same. He longed to gather me as a chick gathers its hens to protect and provide And as Jesus, as he looks out over my town, he longed to gather us up. Jesus cares deeply for me, even though I was lost and against him. Jesus, he is the way. He's my purpose in life. And as I realized this, I think, really for the first time, I bawled my eyes out. Kind of as I imagined Jesus would have, as he looked and saw so many people against him. Suddenly I realized what my purpose truly was in life, in following Jesus. And I didn't need to follow my foolish ways anymore. I didn't need to have you know, my five-year plan or purpose all figured out. Once I realized that Jesus is the way, I simply had to follow him. He's that you know, mother hen taking us where we need to go, protecting us, providing for us. And he gives us a purpose to live for. And around that same time, there was another scripture that just leapt out at me. It was as if if it was describing my exact um, state in life. Uh, It's that 1 Peter 4 passage that we read out. Uh, I'd encourage you to open it up. That's where we're going to spend our time today. 1 Peter 4. Uh, It says, For there, uh, there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, Drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They're surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. As I read this scripture, I took a step back and I saw the big picture for the first time. I was reminded that God cares how we live, that we are accountable to him. And it matters how we live in our lives. And my friends, they acted like this. They wanted me to join in with their wild living. They at times slandered me. They were evangelistic to me to come and join them in their partying. They did all they could to convince me. And as the verse says, they were surprised that I didn't follow with them into this same kind of flood 
of um, wild living. But they were living in a short-sighted way. They didn't have a bigger story to ground their desire or their fun or their achievements. So what ended up happening is that their purpose in life became self-centered. My mates were deciding what the best outcome will be for them. They were basically living just trying to find the best result for them, even though it might have been under many other um, reasons they might tell you how they're living. And I thought about this over time, and I think they were living as consequentialists, which is a weird, big, long word I've recently learnt, so it's okay if you don't know it. It's basically you decide something is moral and true and good if it gives you a good consequence that you're looking for. It might be a moral action if it brings you satisfaction or happiness or pleasure. And this sounds nice, right? It sounds simple, you know, sharing happiness and good vibes with everyone. And for my friends, I think it was pleasure. That was the thing that they were all going after. And consequentialism, looking for, you know, good results, isn't in itself a bad and evil thing, right? Even in the Bible, sometimes we read that Paul might use a consequentialist argument and say, you know, if you do this, this might happen in the future. So it's okay to think in this way. But this way, if we leave it just to this kind of thinking, it's so limited. There's no overarching purpose for their life. And this way of living, it tries to search for the right consequence, the exact right situation that they might receive. But how can we perfectly predict that? Life just doesn't work in that way. And functionally, I was living with this as my purpose, seeking my joy and my pleasure when it suited me. And I kept seeking that buzz again and again, but it lost its charm pretty quick. Uh, Terrible things kept happening, and hangovers would leave your body with all kinds of regret. So that approach to life, that purpose in my life, just was meaningless. It didn't work out. And I saw how self-absorbed my pursuit had become and how I actually had this negative impact on others. There's all kinds of stories I could share there. So I'm so glad that God, he showed me that I couldn't reliably get my fix of happiness and pleasure just by seeking for it. Sometimes you'd get it, but often it would be elusive. Today we're going to think about how there's a better purpose, a better way of aligning our lives. We'll think how scripture, it gives us an incredible purpose for our lives. And it's within our grasp, we can follow it. So let's consider the big picture purpose God gives for all of us who follow Jesus. Uh, This phrase here for why I believe, I believe in Jesus because he's given me a purpose worth living for. And that's to glorify him forever. Similar to what one of our friends said earlier this morning. And this phrase, why I believe in Jesus, is because God has given me. So it all starts with God, right? God, his sovereignty. I believe in him because he's already worked in me. And today I'll share a bit more about how he's compelled me to follow Jesus. And he's actually shown me it's the best way as well. It's good for me and it's good for others. And ultimately, it's for his glory, not mine. So as we think about purpose, it's helpful for us to think of this concept of the end or a final state of something. Now, there's a word that 
has come up in the passage that we read, in both of the passages actually, that uh, basically the word end. So in, in Greek you can see it there, telos, you might have heard of that word before, and it means purpose or intent or the result of an event or a process. It basically means the end of something. So when we think of purpose, we're thinking of the final state of something. And if we think about that final state, it informs our, our present, how we live now, our purpose in the now. And there's a whole field of thought, it's called teleology, where you're thinking about the end and how that impacts the present. And these passages, they involve teleology. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32, it says, If the dead are not raised... So that's talking about the end. If there's no such thing as resurrection, if Christianity is all a farce, if it's all a lie... Well, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So it's talking about the end, and it takes a dark turn, doesn't it? And that's really how me and my community were living. We ate and we drank as if there was nothing more to come. But thankfully, God worked in me to convince me that Jesus is real and he's resurrected. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, it says, Jesus, he's described as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And I slowly believe that Jesus, he was real, he was resurrected, and if he's the first fruits, that means there's more to come. That means that if I trust in him, I will be resurrected. I will have life as well. And a resurrected life to come, that will change our purpose now. See, Jesus, he has indeed been raised from the dead. He is alive. And just like the first grape on the vine, there is a, a mighty harvest in the people of God still to come. See, 1 Peter 4, it speaks of our big picture purpose in life, just as this 1 Corinthians 15 passage did. So 1 Peter 4, verse uh, 11 there, I think it is, it's to live for the will of God. And this passage will go on to describe what that means. You know, everyone kind of throws that phrase around, for the will of God, or for the glory of God. It doesn't just leave us hanging, it actually goes on to specify that, and we're going to think about that in a few moments. But in fact, if we open God's Word and seek it out, it gives us the right answers for what it means to, to fulfill the will of God, and to please Him in all things. And this 1 Peter passage, it also gives us another big picture purpose for Christians. Verse 11, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus. So it's all about magnifying Jesus. That's our purpose in life. The aim that we have to glorify Him. But how will this help us on Monday? How does this help us in the concrete decisions we're going to have to make? The, the nitty gritty of life, right? That's what we're going to be thinking about now as our last kind of point for today. We've kind of thought about the, the overall art, overarching purpose for Christians. But what about in the small things? Well, I believe in Jesus because he guides me in the path of wisdom. Jesus guides me in the path of wisdom. So it's not just because he's given me, you know, an overarching purpose that in eternity things will be okay. But... He also gives me his word. He provides me with everything I need for wisdom now, for a life of purpose now. 
He's equipped me for a wise life. And I didn't have that growing up. And this struck me when I looked around at the Christians uh, in my church as I was growing up, that they had this purpose in life. They were able to come up with conclusions and ideas and thoughts about specific topics with far more depth than my non-Christian friends could. They could give me an argument. They could say what God has said, maybe what a command has said, or what God's character tells them about how to live in this world. My, my friends didn't have all the answers. They didn't have the revelation of God in their hands. To Christianity, it's incredible how God has revealed to us all we need to live wisely. And, and I mean, it can be super difficult still, right? We're managing so many competing goods in our life. We're trying to figure out how to best use our time. And so today, for the rest of the time, we're going to think about how do you manage the competing goods in our life. And this passage, it tells us in verse 7 that the end of all things is near. So your life, it tells us, is coming to an end. So it starts with this big picture reality, but then it instructs us in the detail of how we're to live now. It says, therefore, be alert and sober-minded. Well, why be alert? So you can make the most money, buy the most property. Why be sober-minded? So you can prove your intelligence to others? Well, no. Be alert, be sober-minded so that you can pray. One of the most important things we can do with our time now is to pray for others. Beg our Father that he might work in our lives and the lives of others. And Peter, he goes on in verse 8. He instructs us, above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining, and just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. See, the new purpose in our life, some of the detailed purposes of our life involve love, It involves being hospitable, which is really another way of saying love. Being loving to outsiders, to the foreigner, to those who are strangers to us. And in service. And notice how all of these purposes, they're they're other-centered. It's not a purpose about my life and my pleasure primarily. It's about serving others, loving others. And as we try to figure out our purpose in the details of everyday life, it quickly becomes complex. Uh, There's lots of Christians who've done lots of great thinking for us. There's a guy uh, in Sydney who's written a book that I would encourage many of you to to pick up and read. He's an ethicist, so he thinks about uh, this stuff all the time. Uh, What's our purpose in life? What are the purposes of all the little things in life as well? And the little topics and decisions we need to make. His name is Andrew Cam- Cameron, and he's written a book, Joined Up Life. I might uh, see if we can get it on the book list, but I don't want to be too presumptuous. Uh, Andrew Cameron, Joined Up Life, and he gives us five things to consider as we think about any ethical decision, as we figure out what we're going to do with our time. And these five different topics, they're basically five ways to look at God's word and consider what it says to us. So he says we think about creation, we think about the character of God, we think about the end, the new future to come. 
We think about specific commands that God gives us and we think about the community of Christ and the wisdom that it gives to us as well. Now, this is a lot of information. I reckon write it down and have a think about it for later. Reflect on it with a particular topic that might be interested, interesting to you at the moment. But we see there that Jesus, he reveals God's character. He restores the created order. He interprets the commands and he reframes all of the commands for us. So the best thing for all of us is to go to Jesus. Just as I, as I started this morning, he is the way. And there's even a youth version of this book. Uh, it's a book called A New Freedom. And it's by Mike Snowden, another uh, Sydney writer. And it's designed for teenagers. It's called How God's Word Equips You for Life. Um, I had a few copies in my room, but I've given them all, all out. Uh, I would encourage you to pick it up as well. It has way better illustrations in that book, as all youth books do. So uh, Mike Snowden, A New Freedom, talking about ethics and how you think about these complex issues. And you can use these topics for all kinds of um, difficult decisions that you've got to make. For example, the topic of food and drink. That was the theme that we started off today with in 1 Corinthians 15. How might the character of God or the commands in Scripture inform how we think about that specific topic? How does all of it show us that life is more sim simple than eating and drinking for tomorrow we die? There's got to be more than that, right? And the Bible says much more. So I thought I might share one last story, one example of how we can use this kind of thinking to help us understand and figure out our purpose in life. So it's one more, um, yeah, personal story of a time when I was on a hill. So there you go. It's the way we're going to finish up for today. Uh, I was at Redhead Beach. You might have been there before. There's a big cliff. There we go. We've got a photo there. Sitting up the top uh, at Redhead Beach. And it was in the last few months of my ministry apprenticeship. And I was considering, what will I do with my life? Will I go to Bible college or not? It was this big decision I was trying to make. And as I sat, I reflected how I was free to make a decision. There wasn't a specific command in Scripture to tell me exactly what to do, to my dismay. But I could be faithful with what God had given me. He'd, he allowed me to make a wise choice. And you know, when I thought about the community of Christ, it wasn't like there were people saying... It wasn't like there was only one example, right? There were many examples of people who did go to Bible college or didn't and wisely made that decision. So again, I didn't really have clarity on that decision. But for me, as I wrestled with this, I thought about that other category, the new future. So the end to come, heaven to come. And this gave me a great motivation for now. And there were two words that I remember um, really clearly in my mind as I sat on that headland, uh, purpose and pleasure. And they were two words that came in my mind years earlier on that other hill. And I just sort of reflected and realized as I wrote this talk. But it was a bit of a different uh, story this time. See, I had told myself that either I go to Bible college convicted of a purpose to serve Christ in this way, either I follow purpose or I follow my own pleasure. See, in this decision, I was basically um, realising that I'd been given much and I'd been encouraged a lot to go to Bible college and there weren't really red flags for me not to go. It was a pretty clear path ahead, but I realised that deep down I kind of wanted an easier road. <laughs> I knew it would be hard, 
and that, that pleasure word just kept coming up, which is, is good to bring into these sorts of decisions. But I kept thinking about it and realising that it would be hard, but I was so convicted by that purpose that I saw in God's word, particularly as I thought about the urgency of the gospel. And God also showed me that the very things I was getting most pleasure out of was ministry, was sharing the gospel with people, with seeing them come, become Christians and grow. They were my greatest pleasures in life. So it wasn't a simple pleasure or purpose. It's more complex than that. There was a real pull to a more comfortable life, I've got to say. But I was captured by the purpose of serving Jesus in that particular way, and that was my specific context. And it takes a lot of reasoning, a lot of work, a lot of people speaking into your life to make a decision like that, as I'm sure you guys understand. See, God, he will guide us in the path of wisdom. So as we pray, as we read his word, as we seek counsel and reflect, God guides us in the nitty-gritty. He helps us to see a path forward in those decisions that we need to make. He directs our course and he's revealed all we need to be wise. By his spirit in, in this community of the church. So let us pray now that God would continue to help us to seek his purpose in life. Uh, I'm actually going to use a prayer from a book called The Valley of Vision. It's from a lot of Christians from the past who love Jesus. And there was a, uh, a page that was very fitting. It's called Man's Great End. So we're going to finish with this prayer. Our time is a moment, a vapour, and all its enjoyments are empty bubbles, from which nothing satisfactory can be derived. Give me grace always to keep in covenant with thee and to reject as delusion a great name here or hereafter. Together with all sinful pleasures or profits, help me to know continually that there can be no true happiness, no fulfilling of thy purpose for me, apart from a life lived in and for the Son of thy love. In his name we pray. Amen.